Hey friends, this is Tom Johnston. Welcome back to the Way of the Master podcast. It's episode 23 and it's part of the Urgent Need series, part five. And today we're going to talk about embracing an apprenticeship model for pastoral development. So, you know, when you look at the word disciple, and of course we know we're supposed to go and make disciples of all nations. When you look at the word disciple, and, uh, you know, it comes from the, the Greek methetes, meaning an apprentice or a learner. So there's the idea of apprenticeship in there. In Hebrew, it's, it's talmid, you know, and that's a masculine noun, meaning one who's left the family to study Torah under a rabbi, at, you know, so there is a master um, apprentice relationship there when, when you think of what a disciple is in, in Hebrew as well as in Greek. Now, we know that when Jesus calls his first disciples, he's not calling them, you know, kind of just to believe in him. He's calling them into that apprentice relationship. We see this in Matthew 4, where he says, uh, starting verse 18, says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, these guys did this not because Jesus was the Messiah, not because they thought he was the Davidic king, but because he was calling them into an, apprentice, uh, an apprenticeship relationship with him where they would become rabbis. Now, of course, as I think all of us know, that's kind of the pinnacle place in Jewish culture at that day was to be a rabbi or to be, you know, a priest in, or, or a Sadducee or a Pharisee or some other kind of religious functionary. And, and so because most people didn't have the political connections to be a Fad, uh, Pharisee or a Sadducee, and they weren't born into the uh, Levitical line, uh, her, you know, in, in kind of uh, in their heredity, that the option that was for them was to become a rabbi, and that was that was a great opportunity for them. So they they understand what they're getting into right off the bat. So Jesus says, "Look, you're fishing for fish. I'm going to make you fishers of men. We're going to go and catch people and make them into disciples." And and so their response is immediate, which is amazing. So they they knew what they were getting into right up front. Regrettably, today, when we talk to people about discipleship, you know, it's more about, well, believing in Jesus and trying to follow his way. And, and we kind of leave out the part that, you know, we're supposed to become fishers of men, making other folks, uh, you know, disciples of Jesus. And, and with that, we, we also forget that these are rabbis are basically what we call pastors today. And so, Jesus was calling these disciples, these followers, to eventually take his place as a rabbi and do what he did, and basically become pastors. So today, what I want to talk to you about is how that it's the natural outcome of discipleship that people are apprenticed in a local church 
to become pastors, that this is a model of pastoral development that uh, I've talked about, of course, a lot before, and I just want to revisit again today. There are lots of things out there on uh, my blog and podcasts on thewayofthemaster.net, in my book, The Way of the Master, about how this all happens. And so I just want to highlight a few things today because we really need to shift our thinking away from the outsourcing of, of pastoral development to schools and institutions and really see it at least begin uh, in a local church environment. You know, what's, what's really interesting is that John Wimber, uh, the kind of the father of the vineyard movement, uh, said this, uh, the results of Jesus's training can be seen clearly in the book of Acts. As we see the disciples of Jesus saying the words of the kingdom and doing the works of the kingdom, just as Jesus did before them. We see them preaching sermons in the power of the Holy Spirit and thousands being converted. We see them healing the lame and the blind and delivering those tormented by evil spirits. It is also evident that they were passing on the ministry by showing and telling a second generation of disciples like Philip and Stephen. Training then is being equipped rather than educated, is being formed as well as informed. That is not to say that we we should be anti-educational. There is a time and place to gain theory and and the theology concerning what we are doing. However, our priority should be training people to know the words of Jesus and to do the works of Jesus. And this is very clear in what Jesus did. Jesus called his disciples to himself into an intentional mentoring apprenticeship relationship creating a learning community environment amongst his cadre of disciples. In his day, it was becoming known as Betha Midrash, the school or the house of application or interpretation. You know, not only does he call them to acquire his yoke, his understanding of Torah, in a propositional sense, like knowledge, but he had the expectation that they would live out his teaching. Now, there's, there's this great word uh, in Greek, katecheo, and it's where you, where you get the word catechesis. And basically, that's a pattern of teaching that makes someone into a discipleship. So there's a catechetical process, catechesis happens. But the great thing about katecheo, it's where we get the word echo. So basically, what Jesus is doing is he's echoing down his yoke in an integrated fashion, both through his words and his works, his being and his doing, his his living example, as well as the showing how the activity, you know, of the teaching that he's doing. And this is exactly what the disciples went on to do. We see that in the book of Acts, as Wimber points out. So Jesus echoes down to his disciples what he thinks it looks like to live Torah. And then the disciples do the same thing. And through all of this, both Jesus and his disciples are holistically imparting the learning in, of, about the way of life uh, to their disciples, their learners, their apprentices. You know, such an integrated methodology 
of development is essential for true learning to take place in the life of a disciple. And so a classroom doesn't cut it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I have uh, studied education for years. I have a PhD in education. But I can tell you that the modern methodology that we use to educate quite often falls short of what Jesus was intending, especially when it comes to developing pastors. So this Bet Hamid Rash, that house of interpretation, you know, was was placed within the overall educational system that was emerging during the day of Jesus. It kind of gets codified a little bit later. In his day, they're more wisdom schools, uh, but they literally become the tertiary or adult education, um, you know, what we would call today higher education. And it was in this rabbinic process that 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 happened. And in it, the understanding of the master was transmitted to the apprentice through the relationship. And so, you know, this is a real key for us is that it's in the doing of everyday life, living everyday life, as Mike Perkinson and I have always said, you know, uh, uh, life is the curriculum, and relationship is the fabric in which we have that life. And so this is how we're supposed to develop leaders for the kingdom and future pastors. And so we have to stop solely relying on outsourcing this to educational institutions. Because, as I've talked about before, there's no way for all those institutions at full output and capacity to give us enough pastoral leaders for what God wants to do. So mentoring in this apprentice relationship, you know, was the primary form of education, but it pretty much has disappeared from the Western academic environment for probably three or four generations. Um, Terry Wise says that from 1890 to 1980, there were only four doctrinal abstracts registered on the subject of mentoring. I mean, four in 90 years. This is because there was a transition during the late 19th and early 20th centuries that took place uh, moving learning towards what was called an expert system. So the experts taught and the experts uh, were, were trying to make another expert. And it was based in knowledge acquisition as opposed to functionality and actually being able to do it. It was knowledge acquisition that was certified in the form of, you know, an institutionally awarded degree. So we ended up with bachelor's degrees and master's degrees and doctorate degrees. And those have always been there. But all of life began to move in that direction. And in the post-war era after World War II, it really accelerated. And so today, for a young person to say, oh, I'm not going to go to college, I'm going to go into this apprenticeship program, people almost are aghast at the thought that, wow, they're not going to go to college. And so that we are really marinated in the idea that we have to send people away to train them. And, and this is really causing us a problem when it comes by, uh, to developing functional pastors and a large number of them and doing it well and doing it quickly. You know, me mentoring 
by a master in the field of study or in a craft was a key component of the rabbinic system, uh, the way of life in, in the ancient world, the way of life in most of the world, until this, you know, 19th, late 19th, early 20th century shift. And, and therefore, it was, you know, mentoring, apprenticeship was no longer the primary educational tool. You know, competencies that had once been validated in the mentor and apprentice relationship were supplanted by the academic cr credentials granted by an institution. And, you know, that's based on testing and on the acquisition of a certain body of knowledge. Now, a body of knowledge. So that's really important that we get a body of knowledge. But the approach falls way short of the Bet Ha Midrash process used by Christ with his disciples. Now, today, obviously, in, in a podcast like this, I can't really drill down into how to do that because it... It's a big topic. In fact, you know, I've, I've spent years researching it and, and making it accessible to people who want to follow the Jesus way. But what has to happen is there has to be a fundamental shift in our thinking to where we embrace that this is part of what it means to pastor a local church, that we really need to be looking for and discerning those people that God has called to be pastors of his flock. And as I've shared in previous editions of this, this podcast and in my blog, you know, there's, there's probably, out of every hundred people, there's probably two to three people called the pastor in some level, some shape or form. They may not all be senior pastors of a church. Some of them might be church planters. Some might be missionaries. Some might be people who serve on a church staff and they're never the primary leader. It really doesn't matter. We need all kinds of pastors and we need lots and lots and lots and lots of them. I kind of like to think of it this way. Every time I develop a new leader in the body, uh, you know, the Lord has greater bandwidth to work through. And so as I raise up more pastors in our local church, and I know some of those are going to get sent out to a church plant. Some of those are going to get sent out to help staff other churches, some of them are going to become missionaries. But, but really, you know, most functional disciples uh, who are disciple-making leaders with some development can pastor 20 or 30 or 40 people. Can you imagine what that would be like if, if we had, and, and, and honestly, the average pastor in, in the United States pastors about 100 so, you know, what if we just started multiplying people who could pastor 50 or 100 and did that lots and lots of time, uh, times? You know, it's, it's the difference between rabbits and elephants. Elephants take 22 months to gestate. Rabbits take six weeks. We don't need lots of elephants. We need lots of bunnies. And those bunnies get made in the local church environment. But pastors have to take on this mindset that this is what Jesus wants us to do. That the disciples, uh, the, the Methodius, the Talmud, uh, they really need to be people that uh, some of which will grow up and be uh, disciples or will become leaders and disciple-making leaders in the body. And ultimately, a number of those will become pastors. They can pastor house churches. They can pastor mid-sized churches. They can pastor large churches. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I've, I've pastored 
you know, churches of a couple hundred. I've, I've pastored churches of a hundred. I've pastored a house church network. And so, you know, there's all kinds of opportunity to develop people, but we must adopt uh, this mindset and we must accept that this is part of the pastoral mandate. Indeed, it's part of the job description. We must embrace this if we are going to see the transition in our culture, the impact of the gospel. We need more equipped leaders and pastors to, to do the work of the ministry. And so, like I said before, the other blogs that I've put up, the podcasts, talk about this stuff in depth. And certainly the book, um, The Way of the Master, is all about this. And it makes a case for it, breaks it down, makes it accessible. Uh, so I'd encourage you to get that on Amazon and Kindle. But whatever it is, we have to change our thinking. We have to change our focus. We have to transition from being chaplains into disciple makers who will also raise up shepherds. As I've said before, everything reproduces after its kind. Um, disciples reproduce disciples. Shepherds reproduce shepherds. Churches reproduce churches. So we need to be open to that and change our thinking embrace a different focus, and move towards seeing myriads of pastors raised up in the local church. And, and I think theological education is great. I think theological formation is essential, uh, but we can do it at a distance. Uh, that's why we created the Trevium Institute for Leader Development, so that people could get good quality training tied to an apprenticeship process that they're walking through with a pastor in a local church. So we are here to resource you as you try to do this, whether uh, you're in a church and you really feel a pastoral call or you're a pastoral leader and you're looking to multiply yourself and others. So we really need to see this change, this shift, and embrace this way of the master for developing pastors in a local church environment. God bless. Have a great week.